Hello, everybody, and welcome to Health Law Expressions Podcast. This is Dan Mulholland, and with me is my partner, Henry Casal. And today we're going to be talking about a very, very interesting recent case, or should I say cases, from the Third Circuit Court of Appeals called U.S. XRL Bookwalter versus UPMC. And it will have a lot of implications for how the Stark Law in particular would be interpreted in the future and could very well have some implications on the way in which CMS publishes its final changes to the Stark regulations that were proposed in October of 2019. So let's dive right into it. Uh, Henry, what's the Bookwalter case about and why is it so interesting from a Stark Law perspective? The case was initially filed in 2012. It is a key TAM case based primarily on the Stark Law, where you have certain physicians claiming that a hospital-related group paid other neurosurgeons uh, too much money. They're alleging that they were paid in excess of the 90th percentile. In fact, there are allegations that some of the doctors were paid twice the amount of the 90th percentile. This case, like I said, has been bouncing around since 2012. The original complaint was dismissed. They refiled another complaint. The government uh, intervened just in certain claims that were filed, and there was a settlement of those claims for around a million dollars. But the remainder of the claims, the judge at the district court level considered them and said that they failed to state a claim under the False Claims Act, and the False Claims Act case was based on the Stark Law. That case was then appealed to the Third Circuit, and initially in September 17, 2019, the Third Circuit reversed the decision of the district court and held that the case should not have been dismissed and provided a pretty broad opinion and very almost scathing opinion on uh, where they went into a lot of detail on the Stark Law. That September 17th decision was then vacated and remanded on December 20th, and that's the current opinion, and that's what we're here to discuss. Yeah, so just to make it clear then, the district court dismissed the case. The case was brought by some whistleblowers, key TAM relators. The government announced that they were going to intervene on some claims. UPMC, the large healthcare system in Pittsburgh where we are, settled with the government. And then the relators, the key TAM whistleblowers, continued with their other claims, and those were dismissed, so that there's not been any finding of fact in this case yet. That's important, that everything that was said in the Third Circuit's initial opinion in September and its amended opinion in December are simply repeating the allegations that the whistleblowers made, not saying that things actually happened. And I think, wasn't it, Henry, brought by some other neurosurgeons who had either currently or previously worked for UPMC and complained that other neurosurgeons were getting compensated too much and that somehow their compensation related to how much they referred to UPMC hospitals and therefore it violated the Stark Law. That's in a nutshell what what these uh, whistleblowers are claiming? Yes, and what was really frightening about the original September 17th opinion is all the Third Circuit had to decide was that the key camera later had alleged sufficient facts to get beyond the pleading requirement, and then the case would have gone back to the district court for further proceedings. They would have 
initiated discovery and went from there. However, the Third Circuit almost went out of its way to analyze the Stark Law and did it in such a way that it seemed to raise a question as to whether or not any hospital that paid doctors on an RVU basis for services provided in a hospital-based service per se violated the Stark Law because the theory was that as the doctors perform more services, the referrals to the hospital increased. And as a result, their incentives to refer more and more patients and service and perform more and more services in the hospital-based service, that the hospital would make more money the more the doctors performed for their professional services. And that caused the compensation to vary based on the volume of value of referrals. And in doing so, they raised the question as to whether or not a hospital could ever have any kind of RVU-based payment mechanism in if the doctor performs services in a provider-based service because by necessity the comp would vary based on the volume of value of referrals to the hospital. So they were basically taking up where some other cases had left off saying that one-to-one correlation that when a doctor gets um, some kind of incentive payment for generating more professional work RVUs which is basically the way almost every hospital system compensates doctors now that because the hospital would also bill for a service, that would render the entire compensation relationship invalid under the Stark Law. And that's really contrary to commentary that CMS has had as far back as 2005. And in the proposed regulations that came out in October of 2019, CMS made it crystal clear that the fact that somebody is compensated on an RVU basis for their personally performed professional services does not create a correlation that would violate the volume of value standard. There has to be a very specific correlation telling the doctor the more business you bring to the hospital as opposed to the more business that you generate because you're working harder, then there could be a possible volume or value problem. And CMS was very clear. It intended that all along, notwithstanding statements in Bookwalder and some other cases to the contrary. But right now, Henry, I think the in the amended opinion, the court took out a whole lot of discussion that might have impacted that, and there was a concurring opinion by Judge Ambrose, which was withdrawn because apparently the amendments that were made to the original opinion by the court would have satisfied Judge Ambrose's concern that there would be a opening of the floodgates for litigation. Right. If uh, this was done. So they didn't, you know, completely reverse themselves and say, oh, okay, the case should be dismissed. And I think, didn't they grant a rehearing, not on bunk with all the judges on the Third Circuit, but just this panel again said that they would grant UPMC's petition for a rehearing. So the final word by the Third Circuit may not have been heard yet on whether or not there's enough to go forward with the case and reverse the trial court's dismissal. Right, and that's the important thing. Remember, the trial court dismissed the case entirely with prejudice said the case is over. The Third Circuit reinstated the case, and that both is true in the September 17th opinion and on December 20th, and UPMC has asked for the court to reconsider that. So they may still affirm the district court's opinion and dismiss the case entirely. But what was 
the biggest concern about this case is not that they reversed the district court's decision to dismiss the case. It was the rationale underlying that dismissal. Therefore, what we were always concerned about with the original opinion was the court's reasoning, because we thought that the court's reasoning was very flawed, primarily because they relied on the Toomey case, which is a Fourth Circuit opinion. It has no precedential value to the Third Circuit Court of Appeals, but the Third Circuit found it persuasive. The biggest difference between the original opinion in September and the vacated opinion in December is that the court obliterated all references to the Toomey opinion and the reasoning of Toomey except for one statement at the beginning which was accurate that the Stark law does not have a penalty in and of itself. It's enforced through another law. That we agree with and and the court agrees with. Otherwise, the Third Circuit has just completely removed all references to the Toomey case and the rationale in the Toomey case. And apparently that was enough for Judge Ambrose to decide that now he can side with the majority because he got rid of his concurring opinion. And uh, so in the December 20th reissued opinion, there is no concurrence. The other thing that's interesting in the vacated opinion is the fact that they don't go into much detail on what the stark volume or value standard is. And I have interpreted this to mean that not even the federal courts can understand the Stark Law, which is why we cited both the original opinion and the changes that were made in December to CMS when we wrote our comments to the uh, October 17, 2019 proposed Stark Rules. And what we have tried to urge CMS to do is to publish their rules in final form and provide the clear kind of clear guidance that they provided in the proposed rules so that the federal courts will then hopefully rely on CMS's guidance in analyzing what it means to have physician compensation that varies based on the volume or value of referrals. And that's going to be critical, Henry, in that letter that you primarily wrote to CMS. I think it's going to be essential for them to clarify it because the Third Circuit did not entirely walk back the theory that just because doctors are paid on an RVU basis could possibly mean that their compensation varies based on the volume or value. I mean, in the conclusion section of the revised opinion, I think it was Judge Fuente said that the surgeons referred many designated health services to the hospitals, generating ancillary hospital services and fees. So therefore, it is plausible that their pay takes into account the volume and value of those services or referrals. So if the final regulations are published by CMS in the same form that they were proposed in October, and hopefully they make it even more clear that just paying on an RVU basis is okay, then that undercuts what the conclusion of the court is. So there is a bit of a conflict set up there between where the third circuit is now and where CMS seems to be going. The other thing that CMS did in these proposed rules is they defined fair market value in a much more commercially reasonable manner. And they also defined the term commercially reasonable in a way that conflicts with this opinion. So that if the proposed rules, Stark rules, are published in their final form, then this opinion will be in conflict with CMS's express guidance and, in fact, will conflict with the definitions that will 
be used in the Stark rules once they become final. So the other thing that's really interesting about this opinion is that initially they said that physician compensation in excess of fair market value violates the Stark law. In the revised opinion, they added the word far. So now their opinion is is that physician compensation has to be far in excess of fair market value in order to violate the Stark law. That small three-letter word is enormous in the analysis of when physician comp violates the law and when it doesn't. So I think that what I view this opinion as a cry for help from CMS that the courts are struggling with how to interpret the Stark Law, and what I'm, what we're hoping is that the proposed rules, which went into a lot more detail as to when compensation varies based on the volume or value of referrals, to give examples like your rent will go down the more you refer. That's what the law was intended to mean, not the mere fact that you may pay doctors a certain amount, which some expert says exceeds fair market value, and that causes all the referrals that that doctor made to violate the Stark Law, which means that the hospital has to pay those back. Yeah, and and the proposed regs made it very clear that you take into account all the facts and circumstances. You're not wedded to a particular percentile in the MGMA or Sullivan-Cotter surveys. However, the Justice Department may not have gotten that memo because on January 6, they filed a complaint and intervention against Community Health Network in Indiana, and it went on and on for some 80 pages. Anytime you see a complaint that has a table of contents, you know you're going to be in for a lot of fun reading. But there, they were claiming that Community Health Network allegedly overpaid a number of specialists, surgeons, CV physicians, neurosurgeons, and specifically looked at different surveys that they had obtained that where the compensation consultants suggested that perhaps they were paying too much money. So stay tuned for further development, folks. This is an area that's in flux. We'll know a lot more once CMS comes out with its final regulations uh, sometime hopefully in the first quarter of this year. And when that happens, we'll do another podcast on that. Absolutely. Thank you very much and uh, look forward to hearing from you or you tuning in on another podcast in the future.